Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. Therefore, it's another episode. Where are we now? 350 episodes, something like that. I've only been doing this a couple of years. It's, um, it's a bit crazy, really, but... I was having a little look through the uh, the archives. I say that like uh, I was just flicking back through uh, my Instagram from a couple of years ago, and it's getting to the point now where I'm like, "Oh shit, I forgot I had them on." Oh god, yeah, I forgot I had them on, and I should really kind of remember who these people are because when I t- start telling people like I'm about to, that if this is your first time listening, then uh, go and check out the back catalogue. I always go for the same name. So I'm going to try my hardest to sort of think of uh, of a few other um, guests that I've had on that aren't Motley Crue, Fatboy Slim, Idols. Um, uh, who's the other ones I normally rattle off? Maxine Peak. I mean, we, we should... Um, today's guest uh is uh is 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 scarce and uh and i've just finished watching Anne um uh about uh the 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 incredible uh and the the, the fought for justice for for the uh, the, the 96 and now 97 tragically um played by maxine and uh and if you was as equally moved as i'm sure um you was as as, as i was watching that powerful um, show, then, then then go and check out my chat with Maxine um, because she was my um, the, the the guest I had at the top of my list when I set this podcast up, and I was so privileged to get to chat to her, and it it really is a lovely chat. And I've just finished watching Afterlife as well, and um, um, another chat that I've really enjoyed is with Joe Hartley, the actress um, who's who's in uh, Afterlife, and, and I can't recommend that chat uh, as, as a good listen as well. Um, but yeah, go check out some of my other really, really good chats. Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff was a great chat. Um, Sleaford Mods, um, that was really good fun. Um, gosh, my chat with Butch Vig uh, was amazing. You know, getting to to ask him about, you know, intro, you know intros and in, and in referencing, you know, Teen Spirit. And you think, God, I produced that record. Uh, what was that like? Being, I tried to kind of not go too heavy on the what was it like being in a studio with Nirvana. Um, we speak about Sonic Youth on there, and, and I mean that guy's produced some some incredible stuff. Anyway, it's a long long ass way of me saying go and have a look in the back catalogue because there is 350 episodes with some absolute lovely people, uh, and and all of them conversations are available for free. Anyway, today's conversation is also free. You know that you're here, you're listening. Thank you very much. It's with Leah Metcalf of the Mysterines and. It's just such a great chat. Um, it, it, this is one that I couldn't believe um, how mature Leah's music taste was at such an early age. We'll, we'll go into it, and and it almost become a joke for her friends as well. Um, and this all gets discussed. Um, but yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a great episode this and uh, and I look forward to you's you's hearing it. Leah's great, um really interesting, um incredible artist. Um and obviously go check out the the, the, the socials. Um because uh if you've not yet uh, heard the mysteries, what you're waiting for. Well well no, don't go just yet. Listen to uh, listen to the chat, then uh, then go and explore 
the music. Anyway, a few thank yous. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76. Thanks always to you lot for um, just being super kind and supporting this podcast um, for, for you know the few years that I've been going. Um, it's a joy. I absolutely love doing it. And if anybody gets any enjoyment out of it, that's such a bonus. So cheers. Anyway, let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast. Blair Metcalf of the Mysterines. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Leah, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm well away. I'm well away. Where are you? I'm currently in uh, New Brighton on the Wirral. I'm in Rock Point Records. I've got like a few like studio rooms and stuff. So sometimes I come here to write now. Um, it's a bit quieter than writing in the pub. Less distractions as well. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Well, I'm going to start the, the, the playlist. And for track one... I always ask guests to tell me the song that they regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. I picked Be My Baby by The Ronettes. Um, I think it's one of the greatest songs ever as well. And obviously, Ronnie Spector's just recently passed, which was very upsetting. She's one of my favourite vocalists ever and one of my favourite writers, I suppose. And just like creatives... But I love that song, like the production of it. It's fucking amazing. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, swear away. We're talking about the, the Ronettes. Swear away, mate. It's, uh, I'll let you know now, Leah, i done an episode where I chose the tracks for myself as well. Yeah. Um, I regard Be My Baby as the greatest record ever made. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and this was my best intro of all time as was well. Really? Yeah. And, I mean, uh, Ronnie's my absolute hero and it's really hard to speak kindly of Phil Spector because of what a fucking douche he was but artistically the dude was different level and, yeah. and that sound I think it's on as it, as it plays out Be My Baby like where she's just like just singing the chorus over and over towards the end and there's like a drum roll that just sounds like a machine gun it goes digga 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 and it's like even at that point when the song's fading out, it goes up again. It's like yeah. that song can't get any bigger. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Their sounds on those records anyway, around that time in music, were just, I mean, you can't really beat them, to be honest. Yeah. Motown music, like the drum sounds and the vocals, which is predominantly what people listen to most, I find, mm. with music. Yeah. Is, you know, you can't really beat those those tracks especially be my baby it's just one of the greatest songs ever written it will always be one of the greatest songs ever written um it's perfect i don't know if you if you uh if you're a beach boys fan but um i read boys oh right wonderful well i i am i've uh, read a i read brian's book years ago and uh and there was a bit in there written by his by his two uh by his two, was it two of his daughters or one of his daughters by carney i think and uh, and she was saying, like, I think just as Brian was having his first, like, serious mental breakdown. Yeah. <clears throat> she said, like, every morning, 
I would get woke up at like 7 a.m. by dum, 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 tia, dum, dum, dum. <laughs> and it would be on all day because my dad, Brian Wilson, could not understand how somebody could create something so incredible. Yeah. And like, it drove him to like madness trying to kind of work out how Spectre made that that wall of sand. And I think there's, a, there's I mean, if you listen, like, are you a fan of River Deep Mountain High? Who, sorry? Uh, River Deep Mountain High, Tina Turner, that's a Spectre yeah, yeah. production. Yeah, yeah. And like, the, it just, it just fucking thunders. Like, ha- whatever he was doing in that studio, and, you know, obviously later on down the line, he turns out he's pulling guns on artists and he's just fucking nuts. But I feel like the best people sort of were, though. And it's sort of the upsetting thing because people sort of like talk about the whole, like, do you need to separate the art with the artist? And I don't think you ever should because it's sort of like what what makes them them in a weird way. And even though these people, because the list could go on really, you could mention that Phil Spector, John Lennon, James Brown, they're all pretty fucked. But, you know, would they have written some of the greatest songs or produced some of the greatest records without that side to them? Yeah. Who knows, really? But, um, um, yeah. There's that mad... I don't know if you've ever seen Imagine, but there's like, there's that really weird scene where he's talking about Spectre and 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 when they're in the studio recording Imagine, and like, yeah. that's a meeting of different level egos and madness right there, isn't it? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But it's really strange that you say that about separating art from the artist. That's something that comes up constantly on this podcast because so many people will choose. Michael Jackson records will choose Morrissey records and and it's like these are very divisive characters where you know how, how do you where do you stand on that like can you do that can you continue to enjoy listening to 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 Morrissey records can you listen to Smith's records is that's cool but yeah it's it's just weird it's like but ultimately I can. I, I can listen to Michael Jackson and the Smiths and Morrissey and, and just think, look, this is, this is not just the work of one person. There is a lot of really, really incredible musicians and producers that have all put their, their bit in to create that. Like, can you, can, what, what's your kind of stance on it? I think if you sort of strip yourself of those, you know, you start deciding not to listen to people because of what they've done in the past, your list of music that you can listen to becomes very condense yeah and you know you don't get to listen to the greats because there's, there's there's hundreds of people even now that you know people don't know are you know up to whatever and stuff and you know even some women like you can argue like nina simone as well like <sighs> you know I mean? but if you strip yourself of those things then you know you, you haven't really got a great chance of delving into any music yeah and then you can't stop there as well if you're going to do it for music you've got to do it for everything you've got to do it for like literature and film do you, do you just not watch any films that were produced by harvey weinstein again you know you can't see any great movies and stuff and it, unfortunately it's just the way it sort of fell and usually creatives suffer with you know mental health anyway as a whole mm-hmm. so is that just you know sort of they're suffering in a way. I, I don't know. I can I can still listen to the records because, you know, I feel like once you've written a song, it doesn't necessarily belong to you anymore. Like yeah. it's it's for everyone. So it sort of is already separated from the artist in a way. It's just yeah. under their title, I guess. But I mean, I I can listen to it. I probably got a bit far actually. I don't mind sticking um, Gary Glitter on in the van. But, yeah, we probably shouldn't mention that one. Well, it's, again, it's like, you know, he's not getting royalties for that. And, like, and, and yeah. it's so weird. I mean, I've recorded, like, three, 350 episodes of this podcast and so many incredible musicians and producers have referenced the importance of glam on their musical upbringing, whether it be Bowie, Bolan, Roxy, and they will generally mention, oh, and Slade, and, uh, but they will always then go, and the other one. And, like, and it's like, but, my God, you know, he's a fucking terrible human being. Yeah, but 100%. You can't not mention him in the history of glam rock, though, because, I mean, you could even argue that Rock and Roll Part 2 is one of the greatest intros ever as well. It's fucking incredible. 
Yeah, and it's funny that people sort of don't mention him, but when everyone went to go and watch The Joker, everyone's favourite scene, undeniably, is the bit where comes on. And it's a bit that everyone is like, fuck off, that's so good. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, the, it's the unnerving energy around it that yeah. it shouldn't be allowed, but it is. Yeah. And that's what art is sometimes, is that it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But it is. Like, think people say things in songs that are provoking, and that's, that's what it should be. Mm. And these people are, like, despicable humans what they've done and stuff. And it, it must be hard for the victims of these things. But I suppose, you know, their sort of contribution to art or music or film or whatever, you can't deny that and you never will be able to. And you should never, like, attack that part of them, I don't think, because, again, it's not really them. They're just, like, a source creating that. It could literally be anyone. But, Yeah. In regards to sort of songwriting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And, and intros specifically. Are you... Do, do you pay any kind of interest into, like, the fact that attention spans appear to be getting shorter and you know do you do you uh, approach it the sort of the, the the structure of a song by like right grab them i mean be my baby's a prime example of like instantly yeah. it's like bang you're in and like yeah. do, is, is that something that becomes part of your writing process or are you like well no the song will will, will, will go how the song goes or are you happy to kind of do that. Well, let's try trim the fat off of this. Let's like, you know, I, I know a lot of that is generally probably more mainstream pop music, but arguably a lot of artists are still keen to get their music on Spotify playlists and, and, and on the radio. And, and a lot of the time being able to prick someone's attention can come down to the intro. And I just wonder how much of them things sort of filter into your writing process. I think no one should ever especially if they've just started writing, ever restrict themselves from anything. And if you go back to my earlier songs, stuff I haven't even released with the Mysterines, the intros are probably way too long than they should be. And you're right, like in this day and age, people's attention spans are definitely, the, you know, they're not as long as they used to be because of effects of like social media as well. But I think... I've always just naturally done that and never consciously because a lot of my early influences with writing did come from things like Motown where the intros are very quick or it's like a hook or I suppose, you know, that is early pop music. Yeah. Beatles records that, you know. There's, and no, there's no fat on any of them, is there? No, but even if the songs are long, they always serve a purpose. And I think that is 
that's the hardest bit when you're learning how to write songs. And probably, you know, everyone continues to still learn that and giving every section a purpose. So I think that's more the thing because a song could still go on for like seven minutes, but still be incredible. Like Desire, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Still, it's still incredible. It's like, it's amazing. You don't really get bored. But again, you could argue, you know, like, like Smokey Robinson records and stuff that they're just so quick. Yeah. Strokes records, like the debut Strokes record, it's over yeah. before you even like expect it to be. And that's, mm. that's why people go back and listen. Yeah. So I suppose it is a conscious thing and, and not, but maybe if I like was originally influenced by like Pink Floyd or something, yeah. perhaps my writing would have started that way. It's never a conscious thing, but it's definitely, I think, producers and stuff, maybe like modern producers who produce, you know, pop music now on the radio and stuff, they probably will have to think about that. Because that's what makes, you know, people have songs on TikTok and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I never believe in stuff like that, though. I don't think you should ever restrict yourself to being like, oh, we've got to get this on the radio. Because you're never going to write what you want to write. You're writing for the radio. And I've been there and I've felt that pressure and i've done it before and then you regret you don't regret it but you're just like oh fuck i've got to play this song now because yeah. it's the one everyone knows and it's you know not necessarily a favorite okay first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please leah i picked slip sliding away by paul simon what, what a record yeah it's amazing He's one of my favourite writers. He's another person, I suppose, you can argue with great intros and condensed music in each section. Is I mean, even Simon and Garfunkel. I think I picked another one of their songs, actually. Yeah. Maybe I should change it. Too much Simon and Garfunkel. No, isn't it? You can't have too much. You can't have too much. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> what's the emotion that that record gives you? What was that emotional... Em- well, where, where was it that you... If you shut your eyes and thought about that record, where would it take you and what would that emotion be? That song gives me a lot of nostalgia from being really young. My dad used to play that record a lot, especially that song. And it was one of the first songs that I tried to learn on guitar as well when I was like eight or something or nine. I think I actually went into school and I played it to my teacher and told her that I wrote it. <laughs> what a blag. That's like, a top blag. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I just love that song. I mean, every, the production's amazing. The lyrics are just unbelievable. The story behind it. it. Yeah, I love that song a lot. I can't really pinpoint as to why. And I think that's the best thing when those songs just provoke emotion. It's just, yeah. you can't really explain it. It's just like the sound and the energy and the words. And yeah, I love that record a lot. Where was home back then, Leah? What did you say, sorry? Where was home back then? Um, New Brighton, so, you know, that's where I grew up. Nice place uh, to grow up? Yeah, I love it around here. It's just sort of been, like, renovated. A lot of, like, creative people have started moving over here and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. I moved to Manchester, actually, for a bit, and I'm currently moving back home. Yeah. Just to sort of surround myself with that again. Because you can, you can sort of go too far out. And Manchester's not that far from Liverpool, really. But sometimes you just need to revisit home again and sort of, yeah. you know, where you've come from. After we finish the record anyway, because we're going to start writing the second one and stuff, it's, I think it's good to come back to where you started yeah. and then go from there again and then go wherever it, it's going to take, take me for the second record, I suppose. But, yeah, it is a good place to grow up. I love it around here. You, you touched on your dad playing Paul Simon records. I mean, was it a musical house? Was there was there you know a big a big healthy record collection? Yeah, my parents were like majorly into music. They both still are. They had me when they were pretty young. You see, so they were you know sort of in their prime in a way of like going to gigs and playing music. So I sort of just grew up around that. And my dad was in a band as well, so I would just sort of watch him like travel all the time and. He'd come back and like play records, and yeah, they were pretty young when when I was born, so it, they were sort of kids themselves. Yeah. So I just fed off that energy in a way. Um, I was pretty lucky to have that though, because some people don't really have that upbringing, yeah. have to find it out for themselves. But 
yeah, I was pretty lucky with that, especially with the stuff that they played, like Paul Simon and Aretha Franklin and stuff. And they were all like my earliest influences I can yeah. sort of recall, which is they're pretty good. Yeah, that's a great so, place to start. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to stay in the formative years for track three. Leah, I'm going to ask you the song uh, that reminds you of your time at school, please. I picked uh, Gloria Patti Smith. Oh, what a record. Yeah, I got horses, actually, bought, bought horses the other week from um, Sister Ray in Soho. Is it in Soho? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a great record shop. I bought it there because I went to go and see Patti Smith in um, the Royal Albert Hall for my birthday. And I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah. I, I'm, I never really, like, cry at stuff. <laughs> Like even like super emotional films, it, I just sort of like go internal rather than like external emotion. But the minute she come on stage, and I'd, I'd sort of like I knew I was going to watch it, so I started reading just kids again. I've read it like three times, but applying the context of the book to to the show and then seeing her in real life, I just like couldn't stop crying the whole time I was there. Um, and I come out like on my makeup was like that on my face and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was she was just like fantastic what a fucking amazing human being she's she again is one of my favorite writers yeah how was school um it was like school i suppose good bad (laughs) um i really enjoyed primary school my primary school was a bit um strange actually it was like run by the council and it didn't have a lot of money in the school and it was just always very chaotic and lots of strange things happened in primary school and where it was situated on the Wirral as well. It was in sort of like a really rundown area. And my high school was like an all girls school. So I went from like a really chaotic sort of like fun education, I suppose, to a very like strict all girls school which was like it was one of the, like the leading comprehensive comprehensive schools in the country and it was like pretty um it was definitely impactful school and I didn't really struggle for like friendship or anything or with academics but um I just didn't really enjoy being told what to do I suppose so when I found Gloria Patty Smith and the opening lyric is Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. I sort of got this like urge in me just to like, yeah. be like, fuck off to everyone. Yeah. And I was never like naughty. I was pretty well behaved. I was a bit um, stupid, I suppose, like the class clown. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wasn't, I wasn't ever naughty. I just didn't like being told what to do, I guess. Yeah. And just didn't understand the concept of like having to ask for like, stuff that you know you don't really ask for as an adult you don't ask to go to the bathroom as an adult you know I used to like question things as well quite a lot of my teachers but only because I was being inspired by people like Patty Smith who constantly talked about freedom and like not sort of falling for like dogma and stuff which I felt like I was under that pressure in school I never I'd never go back I left school when I was like 17 you're not supposed to leave school when you're 17, but I, I went to college and then um, I got kicked out. I wasn't naughty. I was just basically not attending yeah. any of the <laughs> Ain't it fucking crazy that, like, I mean, my daughters are, are 19 and 17 and, and, and didn't necessarily have a good time at school and was driving themselves, you know, to fucking madness, like stressing about exams and things like that. And I'm always of the mindset, like, fuck it, don't worry about it. Like yeah. you'll you'll find your tribe, you'll 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 be all right. Yeah, and right. and it's easy in hindsight for me to look back and say that. But I just yeah. I think like the fact that you said, you know, you was questioning stuff like asking the teacher if you can kind of have a piss is fucking insane, right? Yeah. And crazy. Like, and the the thought that you'd you'd probably have been not necessarily punished, but like spoken to about speaking out and questioning stuff. Surely yeah. There's a yeah. fundamental flaw in the whole system if teachers are are kind of stifling you thinking for yourself and asking questions and and 
I mean, yeah, and I mean, fucking hell. Listening yeah. to Patty Smith at 13, 14, that's, that's, I mean, that's going to be impactful, right? Yeah. I used to watch this interview with her, actually. And I don't know what, I don't know what it's called. It's before she was a live performance. I think it might be for the BBC. And she's just sat there and she looks so fucking cool. And everyone is just drawn to her. And she's just like sat there not giving a fuck, talking about how she writes and talking about, you know, the Chelsea Hotel and stuff. And I used to watch it in computer science. And my teacher would be like, 10 off, you need to do this. And I'd be like, I don't want to pursue this. I don't really care what I get in the exam. So I'd rather sit here and do this because this is what I want to do. And I think they just got to a point, most of my teachers, where they just knew that they couldn't push me to do anything I didn't want to do. And it's similar to, like, Jocelyn will probably tell you, like, my management and everyone. They will never be able to push me to what I want to, like, if I don't want to do it. Yeah. And it's just the way my brain is wired. Like, I just, I, I can't honestly put myself in a situation if I don't, gen, like, genuinely want to do it. Um. Which is strange because I suppose it's not always a teacher's fault. It's, you know, just the system's completely it's system, fault. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes teachers, they go into the job because they want to, you know, nurture young minds and, you know, help them out and stuff. And I had a lot of great teachers who did want to do that. But if they're being told to stick to a curriculum and do whatever, it's just, it must be like so difficult because inevitably they probably did go into the job or the career to work with, you know, young adults and stuff. Which is really appealing, obviously. You know, you want to sort of t- nurture people and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. I did I did enjoy school in a lot of ways. Like, uh, there's a lot of, like, funny memories and stuff. Being in an all-girls school was, like, p- completely fucked. Like, I don't know <laughs> why I was there. Um, it, it does fuck you up a little bit. But I think the best things do in the long run. Tell me the first record you remember buying from a record store. I actually bought three in one day. Okay, let's talk about them. Um, I bought Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I bought some, like, really weird Johnny Cash compilation. I don't actually think he released it. I think someone's, like, made it. I've still got it. It's a bit strange. Um, And then I bought the Seven Inch of Miss You by the Rolling Stones. But I'll talk about... The Simon and Garfunkel one, because that's one of my favourite records ever as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not questioning that. It's, it's fucking amazing. Let's uh, let's discuss it. It's one of my probably earliest influences as well for, like, writing. I got into it when I was, like, 13 and just adored the lyrics and, like, the playfulness of the record and, I mean, the melodies and the harmonies are fucking insane. Yeah, I love that record a lot. There's a lot of like emotional attachment to it because that was again I was listening to that around when I was in like high school, so it sort of like represented like freedom in a way to me. And when they had songs like America and stuff, and like, they're talking about these places and the only living boy in New York, you just sort oh, of like fucking hell. They're, the more yeah. you're saying these songs, you just think they're all just fucking amazing, aren't they? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're insane. I think El, El Condor Pass is one of my favorites. I used to listen to that a lot, yeah. but I, I, I actually really love like Peruvian music and that's a Peruvian song, like a early like Peruvian folk song, El Congo Paso. It's by a band called Los Incas. I'm not sure if they wrote it, but that's one of the first recordings of it. And like, it's just a beautiful song. Like the words are amazing. I think they wrote the words too, actually, but the piece of music itself is just, I don't know, it just sort of trans, transports. It's like, a different place and time, I suppose. And the best records, I guess, do, which is like why I listen to it so much. Have you ever seen the um, the video of First Aid Kit doing America for Paul Simon? Was it? At, is like fifth? Yeah, like fifth, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen it. Some of my friends have told me about it. I love First Aid Kit though; they're great. Oh. He's, he's like very underrated bands. Yeah, massively. There's 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 tears in his eyes, and he's he's sitting there, and obviously Simon and Garfunkel's harmonies are just off the scale. But yeah, they, them them two women in First Aid Kit, their vocals are off the scale as well. Their harmonies are beautiful, and it works on America so beautifully. And yeah, yeah you get a chance, give that a watch on YouTube. It's really it's really quite a powerful little uh, little thing to see that. 
But I mean, just looking at these early purchases at sort of 13, 14 and, and listening to Patty Smith in science, I mean, why other people not listening to garage and like blink one eight two and you know, stuff like that. Like how, where, where did you, was that all just stuff that you'd heard at home or, or had you found a little tribe of other people that were into this? I sort of just thought I discovered it for myself as well. Like my dad and my mum, they were into like early 2000s indie music as well. Like the Strokes, early Kings of Leon, Black Rebel and stuff. So that was predominantly what they played in like early Motown. But people like Patti Smith, um, I just sort of discovered on my own. And I had, you know, sort of like a mentor at this point. Because it was like sort of the early stages of the band as well. And he would like get me into a lot of music. And I had a couple of friends who were like into it as well, but they were all boys from the yeah. boys' school. So all the girls in the girls' school. I mean, they liked Arctic Monkeys and stuff, but it was a weird period of time for music because like there wasn't really anything out and that no one was really into like Blink 182 anymore and stuff. I mean, I've never really liked that sort of music. Yeah. It's just not really clicked with me. I think like people just love like tech music when I was in school. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology for it either. I just I don't know what they used to play. When we used to go to parties and stuff, they'd put like SoundCloud on. And I I remember like once being at a party like in high school, and I was like, oh, can I put a song on? And I went on Spotify, and one of the people there were like, who the fuck uses Spotify? And I was like. It's just where you get music from. And they just, like, they found, like, SoundCloud rappers and stuff. It was, it was a weird... I never really knew what music my friends in school were into. But they all knew that I was, like, into music a lot. And they sort of just admired the madness that come with that. Yeah. I think they found it quite, like, eccentric and was like, oh, my dad loves that music or my dad loves <laughs> that man. I used to have this running joke that I was, like, best friends with everyone's dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> well, we're talking about SoundCloud rappers and parties. Um, for track five, let's go forward a couple of years and a song that soundtrack your years clubbing. I never actually have been clubbing properly, so I'm just going to say that now. Because you'll, you'll be about- you'll be over uh, of the 350 guests, about 300 have, have, have all said that. I think so many musicians are like too busy just kind of yeah. doing shit to actually want to go and like party. Yeah. I mean, we we definitely party as a band. I I just, I mean, we prefer like going to like pubs and stuff that have like jukeboxes so you can play yeah. good music. So. But I suppose if I'm going to relate any song to this, when we're all like pissed up in the van, like coming back from some somewhere, like we sort of stop playing the serious music. You know, there's no Sam and Garth Uncle Len. We just go like straight in with like the hits. And I picked Two One Two by Azealia Banks. Watching. Um, because I think it's fucking incredible, that song. The production, the structure, the words, hair, delivery. I, I really admire hair as a creative as well. I followed her for quite a long time, and there's a lot of... Um, she's quite controversial in some ways, I suppose, and people had this, like, stigma around her. And, I mean, I'm not too sure how much, how far she went with certain things, but, again talking about, you know, separating the art with the artist or whatever. I just really admire her as a creative and sort of, she stands for freedom in a weird way as well. Sort of like Patti Smith. She's sort of like these sort of like early like beatniks, but in a modern time, I guess. And she probably faces a lot of. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, you know, shit off people, I guess, and, you know, trying to get somewhere in the industry and stuff, which that, that song is basically about, which I love because the song just went huge as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fucking love that song. That'll be on it. That's always on in the van if we're pissed off. I'll put it on at some point. Yeah, I love that song a lot. Just looking at, you know, what what you said about sort of being sort of quite eccentric at school and and, uh, and probably having more in common with your mate's dad's record collections than theirs. Um, do, do you think that, that, you know, and fast forwarding it to now, um, do, do you think that's kind of, that's give you confidence. Would you say you're a confident person? As much as anyone else's, I suppose. Yeah, but you say that, but you don't do what everybody else does. You get on stage and you perform and play and, you know, and, and cause an emotional response with, with, with your art. Mm-hmm. And, and do you not think that that takes a different confidence. I know a lot of people would never in a million years be able to get up on stage, let alone front a band and, and sing. And, you know, do you not think that, you know, that there's a, a confidence needed for that, that maybe not everybody's got? I think that, um, I think it's helped me or forced me at least front in a band and sort of, having to provoke emotion in myself and other people naturally through songs has forced me to push myself out of sort of insecurities about playing live. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't nervous every time I went on stage. Some people, some people just aren't like the lads in the bands don't really get nervous. And I guess it's different for them because these songs and these words that I'm singing are putting myself in a vulnerable position. Sure. Almost. I try not to think about it as much anymore because when I do think about it, I just won't do it. Like go on stage. Yeah. And I definitely do get nervous and I'm not really sure why. Again, I try not to think about it because if I find the reasons then I suppose I won't do it. (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I guess it's just, I wouldn't say it's a natural confidence. It's a confidence now in knowing what I'm doing, I believe in. Yeah. Whereas I never used to have that because I didn't like the early songs I wrote. Yeah. And I still don't. So when I do play them, I'll probably be more, more nervous to play them. But songs that I do like on the record, I feel more confident about because I can be more honest with them, I guess. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's a natural confidence. Okay. I'm going to take you home. Favourite song from an artist from your home county, please? I picked Echo and the Bunnymen, Nocturnal Me. I would have picked The Killer Moon because that is one of the greatest songs I've ever written. Mm-hmm. But I sort of wanted to pick another song off that record because, again, that record's flawless. So I picked Nocturnal Me because I'm quite nocturnal as well. <laughs> um, and just the... Um, instrumentation again and the words on that song are sort of otherworldly in a lot of ways he's uh he's a bit special in McCulloch I think I think he's uh he 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 makes me laugh his interviews are my go-to reads and uh, I had Miles Kane on here last week and and he chose a, a bunny men song um as well we was we was talking about you know just just what a, a, a legend he is and I did mention it on there, but I, I love the fact that he's so rock and roll to his core that he said uh, about Bono, he went, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the time when Bono first met me and I just love it. It was not when I met Bono. It was when Bono met me. And now you think, that's incredible. That's confidence. Yeah. The funny thing about that is he probably didn't even, like, mean it, but, like, just the way he didn't tell Default. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's one of my favourite writers, Ian McCulloch, and, again, another creative 
that is sort of misunderstood as well in a lot of ways. Um, but he is sort of like, he's sort of like the original goth, isn't he? Without being, without being like, sort of like in the corner of the playground with like stones being thrown at them. He's like the confident goth. Yeah. He's, like a, he's like a vampire, isn't he? He's like the the blood sucker of Liverpool, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, he's fucking great. That record's just flawless. I mean, we, we touched on confidence, and I want to ask you about something else now, that, you know, the fact that from a very young age, you know, you said you wasn't particularly interested in the, the teachers telling you about science because you was watching Patti Smith videos and exactly what you wanted to do. What you want to do is you know, is, is to make a career which you've done in one of the most difficult industries to carve a career out in. And so with all of that in mind, confidence aside, tell me about your drive. Are you driven? Yeah, definitely. I'd say so. I mean, you've got to be. You've got, like, if you're not, then you're not going to get anywhere with, with anything, not just this industry. You've got to have like a clear, well, not necessarily clear, actually. You've got to have, you've got to know what you want, I suppose, out of everything in the end. So it's not always just small goals. It's the bigger picture. And you're always working towards that because you never know where anything is going to take you to get to that place. So you've always got to have that in your head, I suppose, which is what a drive is, I guess, and ambitions. So I'd say I'm driven, definitely. I think the band is driven. I mean, we've been in, the band's been going since like 2014. It's been through like three lineups. And me and George have always remained in that because we have that same ambition. Yeah. Um, not personally, we both want have we both have different personal sort of goals that we want to achieve out of being in, in the band. But I think, you know, working towards the bigger picture, like I said. Is, is sort of what gets you there. And if you don't have that and you're just like in a band because you want to be in a band, you need to sort of, well, I don't know. I can't really tell people what they need to do. But for me, it was it was the bigger picture always. Sure. And it's, it's always been the same picture in my head of what, of what I want to achieve. Okay. Last track. The song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, I've recently discovered an artist called Duff Thompson. Okay. Um, and the record is called, I might need to check actually, I think it's called Haywire. But the song I picked on it is called Sleight of Hand. The record is called, yeah, it's called Haywire. It was released last year. And I picked Sleight of Hand because. I mean, I only found it the other day and I've just like not stopped playing it. What's it like? What can people expect from it? It's sort of like, I mean, when I listened to it, I thought I'd heard it before. But again, the words are so thought provoking and like there's a lot of emotion in it. His vocal on it is fantastic. It's very simple. It's sort of like a Shin song in a way, nice. like Air Shins. Um, yeah, I think it's great. So I haven't stopped playing it, really. Um, that's what I've Well, Leah, we put together a Spotify playlist. Um, we don't put it on SoundCloud. It is only on Spotify. And uh, and so people can go and listen to uh, all of your song picks. And obviously, we put some of your stuff on there as well. Um, as we kind of find ourselves sort of rolling into to 2022, um, what are you looking forward to this year, Leah, personally? And what's going to be happening professionally? I'm looking forward to releasing it on debut record. I'm looking forward to touring. Um, again, hopefully without sort of interruption. I'm looking forward to playing the record live because we've had to sort of play the old songs up until now because we haven't, you know, got that much of a back catalogue in order to fill sure. the set out. But once the record's out, we will only just play the record and the earlier stuff isn't on the record. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I suppose like traveling, writing more, 
hearing more music, meeting more people, reading more, just doing everything that I've done for the past few years, but more of it, I suppose. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, best of luck with, with all of that, Leo. It's been an absolute joy talking records with you, mate. Thank you so much for your time well, today. Um, and if people want to keep up to speed with you and the band, where's the best place to do that? I think just everywhere. I'm shit for so Down there, everywhere. It's fine. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, where else can you? TikTok now, apparently. We're on TikTok. All right. Um, MySpace, is that even something? Come on, no. <laughs> if you've got a MySpace page, that's so fucking hipster. I love it. <laughs> I might just do it as a rebellion. <laughs> Bring my back. <laughs> well, look, we'll tag you on um, on Facebook and Instagram, and so if people haven't uh, yet heard your music, then they can go and do that. And uh, and, and as mentioned a moment ago, best of luck with it all, and uh, and thanks again for coming on today, Leah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, mate. There you go. Wonderful, wonderful. Why weren't there girls at my school that were like listening to their dad's record collections like and listening to Patti Smith when I was 13? Literally, we were sort of doing the running man to like salt and pepper. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I was that cool kid at school. I wish I was, you know, the, 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 the guy that was listening to the full and, uh, and John Pill when I was at junior school. I just was never that guy. Wish I was. Um, you know, I feel like I've put the hours in since to try and uh, get up to speed. But oh man, like yeah, that's uh, that was a cool interview. And uh, yeah, go check out the band. Obviously, um, thanks ever so much for listening. Go check out the back catalogue now. Go have a little rummage over there. Three hundred and fifty episodes, stacks of all your favourite musicians, comedians, actors, producers, artists. Go have a look. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, yeah, just be nice to each other and uh, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Ain't it,